Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. to continue our study uh, under this theme, the order of the house, the order of the house. And when you consider that we are celebrating this year our 40th church anniversary and we think about how far the Lord has brought us from, then certainly God is wonderful in terms of how he has providentially fixed it so that this year, that we would be studying at this time this particular theme, the order of the house. Because what we are doing is we are revisiting what principles and what values uh, undergirded the ministry of our church to bring Canaan to where we are today. You just got through looking at a marvelous uh, promotion of our church anniversary and a kind of film documentary that showed you in a short period of time in about a two minute span where we came from and where we are today. When you consider that this church was birthed out of a prayer service, a prayer service in the basement of Little Flock Baptist Church we didn't even have an offering plate to put the offering in. In that press service, someone took their hat off their head. A sister, you know, you sisters can wear some hats. And a sister took a hat off her head and they began to pass the hat and lifted an offering that night at the press service that would enable us to buy, <laughs> to buy some offering plates and get programs copied at uh, Kinko's. And that's a humble beginning. Amen. But the Lord brought us from there to where we are today in this beautiful facility. We bought our first building over on Dixie Highway. We outgrew it. We built a $1.2 million facility on Dixie Highway that was absolutely marvelous and beautiful. We outgrew that, and then uh, the Lord brought us out here. You don't do that by accident. It doesn't happen by happenstance. It's not something magical. It has to do with commitment, consecration, devotion, dedication to the word of God and the will of God. And so what God has me do, doing now is to teach you, to teach our present congregation what the congregation learned and understood and came out of the gate with on Dixie Highway. There is no Canaan Church on Hikes Lane if it had not been for the Canaan Church on Dixie Highway. Some of the people who are legendary in our church, and I'm going to use three men, Hosey Bradley, Carl Coleman, and John Fresh. Those three men were spiritual legends None of those three men made it out here. All three of them went home to be with the Lord before we came out here. 
None of those three men made it out here, but we made it out here because of those men. And, and so uh, God is having me to lead us in a study to recapture what is it that has caused us to have this blessing from God. I wish I could talk to about 10 people right now who want to see the Canaan church continue to grow. Huh? Let me see that. Let me see the hands of those who want to see the church grow. All right. Um, Chuck Swindoll said that um, he saw an advertisement uh, that said, Church of God Grill. And the, 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 the name of this restaurant, Church of God Grill, was so unusual that he said, I'm going to call just to see what happens when I call who answers the phone. And he says, he called and someone answered, said, Church of God Grill, how can I help you? And he says, well, I called because I was inquisitive as to the name of your restaurant. He says, how is it that the name of the restaurant is Church of God Grill? He said, well, he said it used to be a church. He said, uh, we, we had it as a church. We had worship. And after the service on Sunday, we grilled chicken and sold chicken dinners. And, um, and he said, because the chicken dinners were so good, people kept coming. He said, but eventually, the person on the phone said that the church went out of existence. And uh, since we had called it Church of God Grill, we just decided we'd keep the same name. Charles Swindoll says he, he plans that the church he pastor never is called Stony Brow Church Grill. He doesn't plan on it going out of existence. There are churches in Louisville, Kentucky that have gone out of existence. They're no longer here. The building that they used to operate in is there, but they are no longer there. Churches live for a reason, and churches die for a reason. What I have shared with you thus far in this study on the order of the house is I have said to you, well, let's consider what is a church. A church is a body of baptized believers who have come into a covenant relationship with God in Christ to carry out the purposes of God uh, in the world. That's a church. A church is a baptized body of believers in Christ who have come into a covenant relationship with God and one another to carry out the purposes of God in the world, which means then that the church is not the building. The church is who? The people. We didn't have a building at Canaan. We did not have our own building when we started out, but we were a church. We bought a building. We were a church operating in the building. We outgrew that building, and we built another building. 
and we were a church operating in that building. We outgrew that building, left that building, and now we're in this building. The building is the place where the church comes to worship, to serve, and to do ministry. But the church is the people of God. Then I've said to you that the church must operate on biblical principles, that the church should not allow its shape, its operations, its ecclesiology, that is, its structure, the church should not allow the world to shape who we are. That the church should not operate with a cultural mindset. The church is not here to operate as a corporate identity. The church is here to operate in the spirit of Christ. And everything that we do should be biblically based and it should be Christ-centered. We have looked at the book of Acts in particular because the book of Acts is a book of the Bible. It is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Your Bible, like mine, may refer to it as the Acts of the Apostles, but in reality, it is the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And it provides us a historical and theological understanding of the growth and the development of the church. When you read Acts from the early chapters of Acts and you read on through to the closing chapters of Acts, you will see that the church continued and continued and continued and continued to grow. If the early church continued to grow by the purpose of God and the providence of God, what would make us think today any different? What would make us think that the church should not what? Grow. We ought to want what? The church to grow, right? I mean, if you read the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, right? The Great Commission is what the resurrected Christ spoke to the church. It's the marching orders of the church, is it not? Y'all know the Great Commission, right? Go ye into all the world and make disciples of every nation baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. What is it that Christ commanded us to do? What is it that Christ commissioned us to do? What is it that Christ charged us to do? And that is to go throughout the world and to bring every man, every woman that we can into a saving relationship with him and then help them to become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our reason for being. That's our orders. That's our calling. We are to reach everyone we can, bring them to Christ, and then by the grace of God, then help those persons to do what? Grow up in Christ. Are y'all with me? Amen. Okay. Now, you and I have heard that scripture, the Great Commission, preached, taught, read a thousand times, if not more. But the propensity of many church people 
is to not live out what the Bible says we are to do and who we are. The average person that goes to church, what they do or the way we operate our mindset is we see church more as an organization. We don't see church as an organism. We even see church, and of course I've already refuted it, but most of us, and I'm using words so I don't say you that much, but most of us really see the church as a building, a place we go to. What you don't see yourself as, you don't see yourself as church. So we are comfortable, we are satisfied with going to church on Sunday, two hours of happy time where you get emotionally moved. Go home and you have little to anything to do with God the whole week. And then we come back on Sunday and do it over again. We say we believe in God. That's what we tell people. We say we are Christians, but Christians are people who are called to be Christ-like. And saved people are people who are to walk with God, serve God, live for God, right? Okay, you know? And, and, and yet we are comfortable using his name, God, I believe in God. And much of our believe in God would have to do with what we want God to do for us. Hmm? So we talk about, you know, he's going to bless me with a house, he's going to bless me with a car, he's going to do it, right? But we're not talking about much at all about what we are going to do for him. Which means, as church people, we have become seduced by a consumeristic mentality of the culture. Because the culture seduces us with a billion commercials. Buy this for this reason. Get this. It's going to do this for you. You got to have this. You need this. You want to enjoy life. You want to be fulfilled. You want to be happy. Your teeth gone. Let's put a whole new set in your mouth. You overweight. Let me show you how to get down. You want to be on the best vacation. Go with this company. And on and on and on and on and on. Because it's all about buying and buying and buying and buying and getting and getting and getting. The culture, according to my pastor, Bishop John Bryan, has taken every Christian celebration from the church except Pentecost. Pentecost. 
the culture has taken all of our Christian celebrations from the church except culture. They took Christmas because nobody's celebrating Christmas, not as Christ. They took Christmas. It's all about Santa Claus and reindeers and going shopping. They took Easter because it's all about bunnies and chocolate candy, you know. They took Thanksgiving, you know, because it's, it's about the early pilgrims that came over here and raped the Indians. Oh, I just told the truth. I'm sorry. Uh, they've taken all, the only one that they haven't taken is Pentecost because they don't know how to deal with the Holy Ghost. And because we live in that kind of ambience, if we're not careful, then we take on that mindset. And we come to church for one reason, and that is, what is God going to do for me? But we're not thinking about, what am I supposed to do for God? Wouldn't the church be a lot better if people came to worship saying, I'm coming to hear word from the Lord because I want to be more of what God wants me to be. And I want to understand better how to serve him to advance his cause. So with that being the case, and we all have raised our hand and said, we want to see Canaan keep growing, did we not? Maybe I need to get a second showing. Again, how many of us want to see the Canaan church continue to grow? All right. Now, if we're going to grow, let me tell you what kind of church we need to be. We need to be, Sister Hurt, a contagious congregation. We need to be a contagious congregation. We, we need to be a church that causes a spiritual epidemic. Everybody needs to catch what we got. We need to be what? A contagious congregation. We need to be affecting our city and we need to affect the world in which we live. So then the question must be raised, what constitutes or what would it take for us to be a contagious congregation? What are the distinctives? What are the distinctives? What are the characteristics of a contagious congregation? Now, I'm going to show you two passages of Scripture, one in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and the other one's going to be 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is going to serve as the foundation, the foundation, or I could say the essentials, the foundation or the essentials of a church that would be a contagious congregation. Because the early church was without question a contagious congregation. They grew and they grew and they grew and they kept on growing. 
All right? So let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Now here's the background. The day of Pentecost has taken place. Peter preached one sermon, Ron. 3,000 people joined the church. They went from a congregation of 120 people to a congregation, Annette, of 3,120 after one sermon. All right? And then this is what we're told happened after that. Acts chapter 2. Uh, well, let's really, let's, let's re read Acts chapter 2 with verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were what? They were what? Baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued, how? They continued steadfastly. That means they didn't do it spasmodically. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. What does that tell us? That says they didn't dip them and drop them. They didn't baptize them and leave them alone. These 3,000 souls joined the church and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. That was the foundation. These 3,000 came to the Lord and then these 3,000 were what? Nurtured to grow up in Christ. All right? Okay. Um, so that they helped them to become what God wanted them to be. The charisma is the preaching of the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can't preach the gospel without talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I started preaching at the tender age of 19. All of the older preachers that I came up under, I don't care what they were preaching, they never sat down without taking you to Calvary. You may not know how they're going to start the sermon. You may not know what they're going to say in the middle of it, but you did know how they were going to close it. They were going to go to Calvary before they sat down because the gospel is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They gave them the charisma. But after they heard the charisma, after they heard the gospel join the church, then they gave them the didache. And the didache has to do with the teaching of the word so that you know how to live your daily life as a Christian. You do not live in the sanctuary. Benedictions are given, you leave. The question is not who you are on Sunday. The question is who are you between the Sundays? And do you know how to live as a Christian? See, the problem with church folk is we don't know how to live as a Christian. It's, it's, it's something wrong with church folk who come to church and you still pitiful. You still living pathetic. Something wrong with that picture. You come to church, but you still weak. You come to church, but you ain't got no vision. 
You come into church, but you still ain't learned to walk with God and to trust the Lord? Something wrong with that picture. We're supposed to help people to live victorious lives, to know how to live between the Sundays. I'm not going to go home with you. Don't ask me. I ain't coming. And what I want you to know is you can't live vicariously through me. My responsibility is to so empower the word of God in you that you can stand tall, live for God, overcome the demonic with me nowhere in vicinity. I'm not growing Malone nights. <laughs> I'm growing Christians and Christian men and women who can be strong and vibrant and courageous and victorious. And you got a good mindset. Hello. Like I was teaching on Sunday, that if you have a Job experience, you can have a Job 29 impartation that God allows me to understand the deep things of God, the secrets of God. I may not know why I'm going through what I'm going through and God don't owe me no explanation. The only thing I needed to know is that God is with me. And as long as I know he's there, I'm all right. That's the kind of Christians God wants me to grow. And that's my role as a pastor. But listen to me, child of God. That's your responsibility as well. Now see, that's where you ain't. That's why you got real quiet right there. See, then when I was talking about it, I'm supposed to do, oh, yeah, 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 pastor. Then I said, but it ain't just my job. That is as much your responsibility as it is mine. I do not work for you. I work with you. And what we've got to do, Brother Hurt, is to start helping the church be authentically the church. Because you're not being church if you just come here and sit in this pew and enjoy me on Sunday and enjoy this marvelous music. Boy, we got a music ministry here second to none. I ain't bragging, I'm just telling the truth. We have a music ministry at this church second to none. I leave my house every Sunday excited about, ooh, I said, I know they're going to sing me under the pew. I leave house saying, Jesus, please help me to teach your word because I know it's going to be pressure on me because they're going to sing until the saints are down and out and I still got to stand and I'm going to be down and out too. I like it like that. But as wonderful as our music ministry is, if you're sitting in here just to be entertained, you are missing it. Because that means you have taken on this consumeristic mentality of the culture. Are you with me? Now, Acts 2.42 gives us the essentials 
of a church that's going to be contagious, it, it gives us the character of a church that's going to be contagious. But now I want you to go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to start with verse 1. We're going to talk about what are the distinctives of a contagious congregation. We know that we shouldn't dip them and drop them. We know that we have to be steadfast in teaching, in fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, right? So if we're going to keep growing, what are the distinctives of a contagious congregation? What I'm about to show you here is really what brought Canaan, Brother Ellis, from where we were to where we are now. It is what helped us to go from 97 people to over 2,000 people. And it is what's going to enable us to be at 5,000 soon and 10,000 shortly thereafter. Amen. Okay, you all, yeah. I'm going to provide some coffee for y'all next Wednesday because y'all are a little drowsy today because you're missing your shouting moments. Okay, I'm going to give you a second chance. What I'm about to show you is what got us from 97 people to a congregation of about 2,000 that's going to now cause us soon to be at 5,000. That's what you're supposed to shout. And then not long after that, we're going to be at 10,000. That's what you're supposed to shout again. Amen. Y'all not scared of growth, are you? No. All right. Okay. Let's look at let's look at, at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You can stop right there. If we're going to be a contagious congregation. The first characteristic that will distinguish us and cause us to be contagious is grace. Is grace. We got to be strong in grace. Grace. What saved you? Grace. What's keeping you? Grace. A church that's going to be contagious. People need to say, I went over there and I had to stay because I experienced so much grace. <laughs> I never seen the manifestation of grace like I saw at that church. It's full of grace. If we want to be contagious, we got to be a church of grace so that it doesn't matter who visits the church. It doesn't matter who walks in these doors. We ought to see every man, every woman as significant, every man, every woman as important. I don't care the complexion of your skin. I don't care the background of your life. I don't care what you've been through, what you've experienced. We show you the grace of God. We want you to be a part of our family. We want you to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because I'm no better than you because the grace that you need is the grace that I need and the grace that God wants to show you is the grace that he has shown me 
I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Not only do we need to show grace to people who are unchurched, unsaved, but we need to show grace to one another. I said we need to show grace to one another. We all have weaknesses. We all have shortcomings, right? The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins, right? And when you get a chance, read Romans chapter 5. Read Romans particularly chapter 6. And Romans chapter 6 uh, will tell you that the grace that saved you is the grace that can sustain you. Then read Romans chapter 7 and you'll say like Paul, when I would do good, evil is always present. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Then you read Romans chapter 8 and it's the Holy Spirit that bears witness that we are children of God. You show others what you want God to show you. And if God shows you grace on a daily basis, we need to show grace to one another. Amen. None of us are always at our best. <laughs> so if you miss it and you do something that doesn't quite rub me right, okay. All right. But I'm, I'm not going to be thin-skinned. I ain't going to look at you, you know, with an evil eye. You know, I ain't going out talking about you like a dog. I'm going to show you grace. A contagious church is a church of grace. Do you know when people visit a church, do you know people can sense, they can feel if you are a hellish church? They walk in and say, mm, I don't know what hell's going to be like. But this may be a good sign right here. <laughs> and they also know and sense and feel when you are gracious. They can sense it. They can feel it. Characteristic number two is let's go down to verse two. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Now I want you to do something with what he says. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, did you catch that? What you have received, this is Paul talking to his understudy, Timothy. What you have been taught, what you have what? Received. Do what? Don't keep it to yourself. Share it with others, teach it to other faithful men that they might be able to what? Teach others. Right? Okay? So, so, um, Eugene Colston, come stand here. Uh, Deborah, stand right over there. Let me show y'all this. Stand right there in the middle. I get the word, right? I receive the word. But I don't keep what I received, what? To myself. So I go get Eugene. And I tell Eugene about Jesus, right? And, and, and Eugene commits himself to Christ. Then I'm teaching Eugene. I'm 
sharing with Eugene. I'm pouring into Eugene, right? Now, Eugene, you go save Deborah. So now Eugene saves Deborah. He shares with her the gospel. She commits her life to Christ. Then Eugene helps Deborah to grow, right? Now, we don't went from one to three. And then we keep doing that, we're going to go from three to six. If we keep on, we're going from six to nine and from nine to 12. Are you getting the picture? Yes. Okay, thank you all for helping me to teach today. It is called the principle of spiritual multiplication. Let me tell you again, it's called the principle of spiritual multiplication. A contagious church is a gracious church, right? But a contagious church is a mentoring church. A contagious church is a church marked by grace. A contagious church is a church marked by mentorship. Mentorship. Okay, I need your eyes. Everybody just, just look straight at pastor. Look me in the eye and I'm looking you in the eye. Because I got a question. Who in this church are you mentoring? Hallelujah. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because if I ask that question, as you raise your hands, and if you tell the truth, the majority of you, if not all of you, are not going to be able to raise your hand. Because more, more than likely, now I could be wrong, I could be wrong, but more than likely, you're not mentoring anybody. If I asked you, who is the person in this church that you right now are working with, teaching, helping, sowing into, making an impartation to help that man or that woman become more of a disciple of what Christ wants them to be, you, you'd have to say, well, Pastor, I, I ain't there yet. But that's where the church has to be if we are going to grow. Sister Malone, what's that guy's name that you studied under the Southeast Christian that asked me that question that day? Huh? Don Delafield? Just take your mask down, baby. Was it Don Delafield? Okay, Don Delafield. Sandra was doing a study on Christian counseling with him. He's a Southeast Christian. And Don Delafield said to me on this occasion, he said, Dr. Malone, I want to know what are you all doing at Canaan to help make disciples? He said, because we're not doing a very good job of it as Southeast Christians. And I'm thinking, well, Don, y'all got a few thousand over there. But he, what he was trying to tell me is numbers don't say it all. He says, what I'm asking you is what are you doing to make disciples that maybe we might learn and do better? And I told him what I was doing in terms of my teaching on Sunday morning and Wednesday and all that. His response to me was, Pastor, no harm intended. But if it doesn't get beyond your teaching, 
And he says, I know you're a good teacher, but if it don't get beyond your teaching, your church will fail in making disciples. And to his statement, I had to say, I agree. Now, the reason I agreed with him is because I knew that before he said it because I read the Bible. Who is responsible for mentoring people? It's the whole church. All of you should be mentoring somebody else. All of you should be encouraging somebody else. All of you should be reaching out to other people in the church, right? To stimulate their growth, to encourage their growth, to challenge them to get closer to Christ. You know, that's why every week I say to you all, uh, next Wednesday, bring someone with you to Bible study who is a member of the church who may not be at the Bible study. I say find somebody in the city that could be what? Unchurched, unsaved, and bring them with you to the Bible study. I tell you that every week, right? When I tell you that, all I'm doing is quoting scripture. Because what I'm trying to say to you, it ain't enough for you just to come in here. Soak up all this word, soak up all this word, soak up all this word, and then you never release. You are spiritually constipated. You need a movement. <laughs> I bet you caught it that time. <laughs> yeah, you don't just <laughs> in Domine Patre. You don't just keep eating and eating and eating and receiving word and receiving word and receiving word and then don't do something with the word. Now, the reason why we don't do it is because of where your mindset is. And we got to ask God to break that mindset. Well, what is the mindset? I come to church and I enjoy myself. What we're doing right now, this ain't about entertainment. I didn't come here to entertain you today. I came to pour into you. I came to make a deposit. I came to give you a spiritual impartation. God said to me, pour this into them. But what is poured into you, you need to pour into somebody else. Now, we said we want Canaan to grow. Don't you know you have more than the capability? And you have more than the possibility to bring at least one person to Christ this year? Are y'all listening to me? The possibilities of you bringing one person to Christ this year is over a thousand percent. It's over a thousand percent. Can I lead can Walter Malone Jr. lead one person to Christ and into the Canaan church between now and December? And the answer to that is unequivocally yes. Now, I may not do it if I don't give myself to it. 
If I don't live with a mindset to take advantage of the opportunities that are given to me each and every day to witness to someone, to share with someone about Jesus Christ, to speak into someone's life about Christ, it ain't that I could not have brought a person. It's just that I didn't give myself to it. Why? Because it wasn't on my mind. But if that gets on my mind, like going to the Capitol Grill, if that gets on my mind, like going to Churchill Downs on, on Derby, if that gets on my mind, like going to the movie theater, if that gets on my mind, like going to Oxmoor or St. Matthews, if that gets on my mind, like I want to go down to Atlanta for the weekend, I want to go to Chicago, right? If it, what, what are the clubs y'all go to? Now you act like you don't know. Well, wherever it is. Huh. By next Wednesday, I'm going to do a little research. I'm going to find out where y'all go. But if it gets on your mind like you go there, You'll bring somebody to Jesus, right? Because, and listen, if everybody brings one person, that's all. What happens to our church this year? It doubles. It doubles. I, I want to be the best preacher, Ron, and teacher of this word I can be. I mean, I really do, Ron. I ain't going to lie to you. I work on it, Ron. I, I live, eat, breathe, preparing to deliver this word. When I get through on Sunday, I start on Sunday for the next Sunday. Because I love it. You ain't got to push me to give this word. You can wake me up at midnight and I give you a word. Because I love it. It's my passion. I work at it. Yeah, I work at it. I ask my wife almost every week how did I do uh, because I want to evaluate, you know, and uh, she tells me the same thing, uh, uh, Sister Dedrick, every week. Did you say what God told you to say, Walt? <laughs> I say, yes. Yeah. She said, well, that's enough. You, you don't need me to approve. I said, well, I'm not really asking for your approval. I'm just trying to get an evaluation. <laughs> but that's what she said. Did you say what God said? Say, uh, yeah, okay, well, that's, that's good. Amen. But I work at it. Because I want y'all to be proud of me as your pastor. I want, I want y'all to say, oh, if you come to our church, I can promise you, you're going to get a word. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I, I work at it. I really do. I work at it. And I'm so glad, Joe. Oh, there's Joe. I'm so glad, Joe, about you and the music ministry. Because I can tell people, oh, <laughs> you talk about Christian singing. <laughs> Ain't gonna get no better. Not that not other than Canaan. You want it better than this? Wait till you get upstairs. Uh -huh. Upstairs is heaven. So when you get upstairs, it'll be better. But until then, here on the first floor, it ain't gonna get no better than Canaan. Not in terms of singing. I'm glad about that. But God doesn't want our church to grow. by popularity. He didn't call me to be a celebrity and he didn't call Joe Lever to be a celebrity. 
He called us to minister. And what I want and what Joe want, we want you all to join us in ministering to people. So I need you, Brother Posey, after Sunday, and I got to quit, I need you to go and re-preach or reteach what I teach Sunday. All right? That's what I need you to do. Go and redo it. Deborah, go redo it. Jewel, go redo it. And each one of y'all bring someone to Christ, we keep what? Growing. So I'm going to stop here. We'll pick up the other two. But see, to mentor, you got to have somebody to mentor, right? So mentorship begins. Where does it begin? It begins, James, first bringing somebody to Christ. And then after you bring them to Christ, you help them what? Grow up in Christ. We'll pick up the other two next week. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.